Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to an emergency episode of the NBA podcast. We were not planning on recording until Tuesday, but the Sixers and Celtics had other ideas. Before we discuss the blockbuster trade that will send Markel Fultz to the Sixers, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow there as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so we would love it if you subscribed, downloaded, left some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And you can find us this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Got a lot of dr- great draft coverage coming up this week, plenty on free agency over the coming few weeks as well, and then we'll have a lot of great analysis during the offseason, so give them a follow at FanRag Sports. Joining me this week, as always, is my trusty co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? It's going well, Brian. And here you are, the pluck master, and you forgot to pluck that FanRag is... Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Doing a live uh, draft stream. That is true. Yeah. With uh, Zach Harper, Jason Pat, who is going to be joining us on Tuesday's episode of the pod. Yep. Uh, so yeah, give that. <laughs> that should be very entertaining. Zach Harper without a sensor live on air. Um our third co-host, Sarah Chalea, could not join us this week. She is busy with Having Father's a life. Day. Yeah, Father's Day festivities and such. So instead, we are going back to the James Holis well after a two-week hiatus. James is back with us. How's it going, James? Yeah, so now that everybody knows, you got to stop listening now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, it's going all right, man. A little bummed out, but whatever. Yeah, we will get into that. Before we do, James, remind our listeners where they can follow you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Um, since we all know Scotty Pippen was the greatest perimeter defender ever, you can call me Snotty Drippin on Twitter, and then I'm at bballbreakdown.com, and uh, I'm, I'm, I haven't recorded podcasts in forever, so I'm, I'm not even going to put it out there. I'm ashamed of myself. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll just have you on here instead. That's fine. Oh, yeah, Sarah, you're out of here. Yeah, Sarah, right. You're done. <laughs> Pass uh, the crap. You're done, Sarah. 
So we need to talk about this whole episode is just going to be dedicated to Markel Fultz and this big trade that went down Saturday night. To recap, uh, Friday we were recording with Sam Bassini. At the end of that episode, Morton alerted us that the Sixers and Celtics were nearing a deal for the number one overall pick. Uh, news continued to trickle out Friday and Saturday. The Sixers had Markel in for a workout at 6 p.m. Saturday evening. Um, and then late Saturday night, Adrian Wojnarowski of the Vertical and others broke the news that the trade will go through officially on Monday, but it is agreed upon. So the Sixers will receive the number one overall pick. Uh, in exchange, they will send the Celtics their number three overall pick this year. And then the Los Angeles Lakers 2018 first round pick, if it falls within the range of two to five. If not... They will instead send the Sacramento Kings 2019 first-round pick. So, James, you're a Celtics fan, so I just need to, right off the bat, ask you, do you think this was enough value to move down from one to three? I think logically, sure. Intellectually, I know that's enough value, right? Uh, a pick is never as valuable as it is before the pick is made. Once you become a per- once you become personnel, it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's victim to all the things that we, you know, normal rookies are, so... We have no clue exactly how good Markel Fultz is going to be. You know, you know all indications that he's going to be one of those kind of all-star type guards, be it you know Dame, Kyrie type, uh, even a little better, baby. Who knows? With that three pick, it depends on I guess who they pick. But you know, getting getting potentially two top five picks in the next few drafts for one this year, sure, that's that's fair value, but. You know, I kind of was all in on Markel Fultz just from watching, and it, everyone seemed so excited. The buzz around the franchise was so high, and like that, it, it, it feels like going from thinking you're getting a brand new Lexus to <laughs> when, when the garage door opens, it's you know a 2014 or 2015 Camry, <laughs> and I mean, it's in great shape. It's a good car. It's an awesome car. Which is not, it's not a Lexus. You know, it's it's a, but it, it makes more sense and. You know, let's say they give you also give you like a check on the back end too for a few thousand dollars. So yeah, you you actually probably made out you know the same, but it's just not the same. So right. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, I mean, I should note that when the trade details really started trickling out, at first Woj tweeted that the Sixers were sending the both of the Lakers and the Kings picks with protections, and then. I think Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe was the first to report there was only one of the picks, and then Woj came out with the details later. So I, I might be coming from it from the perspective of, like, I was ready for the Sixers to send all three of those picks, and I thought, you know, that's a really high cost to move up two spots, but I thought it was a gamble that was worth taking. But then when I found out it was only one of those two picks, I, I mean, I ran around my house shrieking last night, so... I was very pleasantly surprised they were able to keep one of the two and that they were able to put protections on the Lakers pick. Mort, do you think that was fair value for both sides? Yeah, like overall it's fair value. It, But really what it comes down to, it, it's how you gauge the draft and how you gauge this particular draft and also 2018 and 19 for that matter. Like going from three to one, like people say, oh, it's only moving up two spots. And yeah, but the drop off from Fultz to anyone else is so significant that you can't really pigeonhole it as, oh, it's just moving up two spots. No, it's moving up like a whole tier in terms of the player that you're getting, maybe even two tiers. So that's why it's warranted. 
that you get like an additional potential top five draft pick um, on top of it. The thing is, though, how good is the 18 draft? How good is the 19 draft? You have to like take that into consideration. I'm sure Danny H did. So overall, I, I'm with James. It's probably fair value, but my goodness, you still gave up Markel Foles. So where I'm at, and you know, Paul Flannery said it best on Twitter a couple of days ago, like when you move the number one pick, you better be right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you guys this about Fultz because I, I, now I'm getting this. I can't believe I passed on Marco Fultz when all the talk all year has been about Lonzo Ball and it's you know oh should he be the prohibitive number one? So, what level do you see Markel Fultz re- reaching? Like, think of a player in the last ten years, and can you give me a, an, an equivocation? Like, not Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade to me is a Hall of Famer. Like, he's a, probably you know the third best shooting guard of all time. I don't think I saw that kind of potential from Markel Fultz. I mean, maybe somehow, maybe kind of, but I mean, I don't think that was a, that's very slim to none. So, I mean, is passing on Markel Fultz that big a faux pas? Mark, Brian, I'm going to let you take that one because you've been using the D Wade comparison. For I actually all have, year. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so James, you just jumped me there because I've been saying Dwayne Wade with a three pointer uh, because of his length and activity and you know defensive potential. It's not there yet, but it could be. Um, if we are going away from the D Wade comparison, he's projected as a rich man's Kyrie Irving, and when I say rich man, it's because he's he he has the defensive potential that. Kyrie, I think, I, I guess that Kyrie does have that potential. He just hasn't realized it. But I, I look at Foles as a guy who has more worth and potential than Kyrie, which in his own right is pretty ridiculous. And compared, comparing to the fact that I also compared him to D-Wade, D and I legitimately think that he could have a similar career, I mean, yeah, giving up a guy like that is, is pretty big. Now, in your, okay. into your my, point my, with Ball. With sorry, Ball. sorry to interrupt. Yeah. One thing to interrupt, I was going to say that Wade's athleticism is what made him so special Yeah, as far as his skill, and we don't see that in, in Fultz. He's going to be a decent athlete. He's a good athlete, but he's not like Wade was something else. Okay, sorry to interrupt. No, no problem. I, I, I think that's a fair point. I think that's a very fair point. But then again, it's not like, like you said, like Fultz isn't no slouch athletically speaking. He's got like mm-hmm. the wicked long arms like Wade. And the thing that intrigues me about Foles is that he doesn't just rely on the athleticism. Like he's smart. When he finds holes in the defense, he makes the right reads. He's also a strong passer. Like we had Sam Vecini on the last episode, and he made a great point that Foles knocked down, I think, 41% from the outside during his season. Like he's. Supporting cast knocked down a combined what was Brian was twenty eight percent. I think in conference play, yeah. Yeah. And yet somehow Markel averaged almost six assists. And we know that assists in college are pretty hard to come by anyway. So people are sleeping on his playmaking ability as well. Most are looking at Markel as just a scorer, but he's definitely two you know, he, he has two things going for him, offensively speaking, like the scoring game and, and let's just stop right there because the scoring game can come from every aspect like he can get to the line he can shoot from the outside he can pull up he can get to the lane there's really not any major weakness in his offensive game outside of he has to refine his three throw shooting but then you add in the factor of he that he can pass that he can play make that he can set things up that he can get people involved and you combine that with the fact that he has long arms he's still athletic he has the defensive potential i mean look 
this kid is going to be huge. And now, James, you mentioned Lonzo Ball right before. Like, people had discussed all year, oh, who should be number one? Yeah, I personally never got that debate. I never been in on it. Like, I always saw Foles as a complete tier above Lonzo Ball. I'm not, I don't know where you guys stand on this, but I never understood, like, the debate of it all. I, I'm with you, so that's that's good to hear. Yeah, I mean, Sam, when he was on Friday, you know, he had Markel was in his own tier, and then it was that group of like seven, eight, nine guys. You know, the Lonzo, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, mm-hmm. De'Aaron Fox, all of those guys were in the tier next, you know, tier two basically. But right. Lonzo was not in his own tier as well. Lonzo falls in with those other guys. Um, I mean, a couple, you know, it, it's a really fascinating trade on both sides which we'll talk about the Sixers side a little bit later on for the Celtics they're just in such a weird place where you know a, a team that makes the Eastern Conference Finals and then wins the number one overall pick that just doesn't happen all that often usually the team that wins the number one overall pick needs a true superstar to build around the Celtics you know depending how you feel about Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford they already have two of those guys so their need for faults apparently isn't as great as a team like the Sixers, you know, where you're still building around a young core. You, I mean, faults just fits perfectly with that group of Simmons and Embiid in particular, whereas the guys who are going to be available at three, you know, there were, there were words for all of them. Like Josh Jackson, great defensively, but the shot is a concern. Same goes for De'Aaron Fox. Jonathan Isaac, you know, really high ceiling, really low floor. Malik Monk, you're worried about his defense. Uh, Lonzo Ball. Hey, 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 no, no, no Malik, no Malik Monk slander. <laughs> he's, he's, that's my guy. That's the guy I've latched onto this draft, and that I think he's going to be amazing. Ben so. Gordon 2.0. We've been talking about Watch, this. No, no. Oh, I, yeah. I, I hate that comparison. Why? Dare you. Don't you dare. Come on, man. He, no, the Chicago version. Don't you dare. The Chicago version was good. He's a way better athlete. He's way better athletically. He's going to be so explosive in the league. Ben Gordon had a 43-inch vertical, I believe it was. Ben Gordon was a jump-shooting maestro, and sure, he was decently athletic, but he was, no. Don't you you pigeonhole him like that. (laughs) (laughs) The the point is the Sixers had a lot of pressure to get a guy like Fultz, which, you know, justifies the price they paid for him, I would argue. Uh, Whereas the Celtics, like... Uh, you know, they they have Isaiah Thomas, they have Avery Bradley, they have Marcus Smart, they have Terry Roger, they've got a bunch of guards already, and according to Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe, that backcourt factored into their decision to pass on Fultz. They think there isn't a huge gap between Fultz and that next tier. It, it sounds like they have Fultz, Ball, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum as the four best prospects in this draft, and apparently they think, you know, Fultz is not so far ahead of Ball, Tatum, and Jackson that it's worth passing up an additional first-round pick, which is you know, likely to be in the mid-to-high lottery range, regardless of whether it's the Lakers pick or the Sacramento pick in 2019. So, like, it's... For me, you know, every website within 30 minutes of this deal becoming quote-unquote official has a grade-the-trade piece up. And for me, it's like... It's hard to grade it, especially for Boston's side, because we don't know what comes next. We don't know yep. who they're going to pick at three. We don't know if they're going to pick at three. We don't know how Markel Fultz, you know, we think he's going to translate well. We think he's going to become like an all-star caliber player. But what if, 
you know, Boston could get the best prospect in the draft at number three. And then what if that Sacramento pick turns out to be the number one pick in 2019? Like this, this becomes a clear win for Boston then. But if like a Kevin McHale win. Yeah. But if you pick a guy at three who busts and then like the Lakers pick stays in Philly next year and Sacramento defies the odds and somehow becomes a competent organization by 2018 2019 and that pick falls into the late lottery or like god forbid the kings make the playoffs that's not going to happen but just hypothetically (laughs) (laughs) hypothetically if the kings make the playoffs in 2019 like that could be a mid first round pick and at that point you know the value shifts far (laughs) toward the 76ers side so i i hesitate to weigh in definitively and say like oh yeah, the Sixers totally won this deal, or the Celtics totally won this deal. Like, it's the best way I can phrase it is it is a calculated gamble for both sides. I can see why both sides made the trade. Um, I think, you know, James, what's interesting to me is what comes next. Because we heard Ramona Shelburne of ESPN tweeted last night, um, you know, the general consensus around the league is the reason that this happened early is because both sides are still... She said both sides are still maneuvering, but you know, right. immediately after the trade became more or less official, uh, speculation immediately started about you know what is Boston going to do? Are they going to trade that number three pick in a package for Jimmy Butler? And then is that enough to sign a Gordon Hayward or a Blake Griffin in free agency? So what do you see happening here, James? Do you think they're going to keep the pick, or do you think they're going to try to dangle it over the next couple of days to get? a third superstar caliber player. I got no clue. Um, so a couple things from most of the you said is spot on one Isaiah and Al Horford are both not, no, they're not franchise kind of foundational stars. They're both guys who need, I think, uh, they need like a son to orbit around. And that's why Boston still needs, a a foundational kind of superstar, even like a guy like Paul George who may not be a superstar, but he operates in a superstar role in the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I mean, if Ainge does somehow flip this number three pick and, you know, whatever other assets and get to Jimmy Butler while gaining another, you know, another potential lottery pick in the next couple of years, that's like, that's next level stuff because everyone killed him at the trade deadline for not moving the number one, you know, potentially the number one pick and assets to get Jimmy Butler. So if he just flipped that pick for like, you know, more high level picks and get Jimmy Butler or Paul George, that's amazing. That's, that's just, that's just great GMing. On the other side of the, of the spectrum, you could say maybe Ainge is outsmarting himself and a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And when you get a prospect like Markel Fultz sitting there, you take him, you know, or if you're going to make the move, just make the move. Uh, with the glut that that Boston has in the backcourt right now, I mean, in the next couple of years, not just that, Yabuselli's coming over, Zizek's mm. be coming over. You're gonna have a glut everywhere here soon, and guys needing to get paid, and not guys any minutes like everywhere, you know. And I guess this is uh, <laughs> personally, it's, it just kind of irks me the whole move because now we have to hear the more jokes about, oh, well, you could have had Markel Fultz, but you know, Terry Rozier though. that's it's already started right you know oh jimmy butler could have had jimmy butler but no terry rozier which i love terry rozier so i'm not even it just it irks me how to hear it now but um yeah it's just it's a boston like you said it's a a real strange situation in boston where they're sure they were in the one seed they got smashed by the cleveland cavaliers right 
They're the number one seed in the East yet. I mean, do they have a shot against Golden State? They beat Golden State at home last season, you know, but, you know, not Kevin Durant's in the mix. Or two seasons ago, not Kevin Durant's in the mix. It's a whole different, you know, it's a different equation. So, whatever. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I want to ask this. Say they trade, you know, they trade for Butler. I don't know what they would have to give up to make the cap work. So let's assume, you know, they basically let's assume IT, Butler, Horford all stay. They might have to trade AJ Crowder or an Avery Bradley or Marcus Smart to make this work. Then they go out and sign a Gordon Hayward or a Blake Griffin. Do you think that's enough to beat Golden State? I think it's enough to push Cleveland. I don't think it's enough to push Golden State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... because my thing, my thing with Golden State, man, this it just it, the it's the most basic NBA math. <sighs> you have two MVPs and then two other All Stars. If you don't have two MVPs to compete with them, and you know, or at least have one MVP and then like three All Stars, you're not going to even come close. You know, and and that's where I am with Golden State right now. It's the simplest NBA math: two MVPs, <laughs> two like high level All Stars. You're not beating them unless you can match that. And as much as I love Jimmy Butler and Gordon Hayward and Isaiah and Al Horford, you're not. It's, it's not the matchup. Now I guess you think Boston might just their depth might give them some kind of advantage. But again, Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Durant. We saw what he's capable of. We know what Steph Curry's capable of. Unless you can match that kind of force. So that, but, but that's a long way of saying no. No, that's not beating Golden State. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same camp. I like your NBA math. That's a good way to put it. But, uh, I mean, more, you know, you, you have gotten to know Jimmy Butler over the years uh, during your time as a Bulls fan, which is quickly expiring. Um, what do you think about, A, if Jimmy goes to Boston and they get a Hayward or a Blake Griffin or some other big-name free agent, is that enough to push Golden State? And then also, you know, speaking as a former Bulls fan, what would you want in exchange for Jimmy Butler, given all that Boston has? All right. A, Jimmy is one of the most underrated wings in the league. I think he is yes. a top 10 player at this point, And everyone is basically ignoring him because he plays for the Bulls, which is kind of fair because the Bulls <laughs> are horrid at virtually everything they do. Like every level of their infrastructure is broken. So I get it. Um but if he comes to Boston and actually has, you know, reliable players around him, that's that's going to be a first for him. He could propel himself up into being like an MVP candidate. That's where I'm sitting. He's that good. Like, his impact is just undeniable. He's a hell of a two-way player. He's a strong rebounder. And he's begun be- passing the ball to the point where Chicago fans are calling him Point Jimmy. So, because the Bulls started emulating the James Harden role for Jimmy, and it worked pretty well. Going into Boston, where you'd have an Isaiah Thomas, you'd have a potentially a Gordon Hayward or a Blake Griffin. Good Lord, Blake Griffin. Like, alongside... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be ridiculous. I could definitely see them take Golden State to six, maybe seven, and who knows what happens in seven. That's always been my stance. If things goes to, goes to seven, I don't care who you are. You could be... The former Charlotte Bobcats. Seven <laughs> games are always, like, just cowboy crazy. So that's where I'm at with if Jimmy comes over. I'm not going to put it past, you know, Boston, if you get they get Jimmy and another all-star, to take it all the way. Now going back to what you should get for Jimmy Butler. And that's kind of interesting, because the third pig is sort of bleh. 
in com- comparison to Jimmy because I mean come on Josh Jackson <laughs> I mean good guy good player he's gonna project as a fine role player maybe even get like a couple all stars but you know he's he's I think he his career path is very similar to Luol Deng like maybe mm. make an all star team maybe two that's about it Jimmy oh. is going to be this perennial all star type guy who's gonna find himself on all NBA teams all defensive teams so you'd need to throw something else in however. If Jimmy makes an All NBA team next season, he's eligible for this, you know, ridiculously super large deal of two hundred plus million, where he's averaging like forty six, I want to say forty six million a year. Mm-hmm. And the Bulls, if they know that they're not going anywhere, they are not going to be inclined to pay that dough to Jimmy. So they might look at that deal and go, nope, and then they'll accept sixty cents on the buck for him. Now that sixty cents is that the third pick. Could be. Like, the third pick in Terry O'Shear for Jimmy Butler, that's about 60-65% on the dollar. And the Bulls could look at that and say, well, you know what, let's take it. We get out of Jimmy's uh, future contract, and then we start over with number three. It's going to be a horrible move because it's not going to be enough to start over, especially because Chicago's uh, young foundation is not even a foundation. It's water at this point. <laughs> um, so it, they're going to be stuck in in hell for at least four to five years. But yeah, I, I could totally see Boston still swing this thing. You just have to appeal to Chicago's greed. Right, right. And it sounds like, at least at the trade deadline when they were discussing this deal, it sounds like Boston was being generous in terms of what picks they would offer. I, there were reports, we don't know how true they are, that both Nets picks were on the table, possibly Correct. with protections. Um, and, and the Bulls wanted Crowder and Bradley. Right. So yeah. we don't know, you know, again, what the Bulls would want from this. I, You know, I think... Magic the, beans, Brian. <laughs> from the sound <laughs> of things, they would have to probably include a Crowder or a Bradley or a Smart just to make the cap work to get, you know, another a Hayward or a Blake Griffin or something like that. So the Bulls might end up getting their wish if they do trade for Jimmy or trade Jimmy away to Boston by Thursday. I want to go back to your point about Golden State for a second because we were talking about this with Sam too about how you know the Warriors are so dominant. Do you just give up and like don't try for the next couple of years and just let them win? But again, like I just keep going back to you know the end of February. Kevin Durant goes down against the Wizards. You know, the wizard, they said, like, Golden State's locker room was totally so- somber afterward. We found out later that they thought he had a broken tibia was done for the year. Like, weird shit mm-hmm. happens all the time in the NBA. So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to root for an injury, obviously. I want to see all of the best players healthy and on the playoff stage, uh, even if it means a boring playoffs like the one we just had, where the Warriors just romp through. Um, but, like, mm-hmm. if I'm Boston... I'm not looking at Golden State and saying like, oh, well, we have Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford, but that's all we're going to do. We're not going to like, we're we're just going to stay in this weird middle ground. We're not going to try to go all in. Like if they have the chance to do it, I think they have to do it and they have to take their chances. And yeah, maybe they wouldn't be favored against Golden State, but you know, there is a world of possibility where they could somehow push it to six, push it to seven, even with a fully healthy Golden State team. Like, maybe Golden State just goes cold for a game, or maybe they have, you know, maybe Boston has the equivalent of what happened to Cleveland in game four, where they're just hitting everything they throw up. It's at least within the realm of possibility. So for that reason, I, I, 
you know, I, I would be very much in support of them trading some package of these picks to get Jimmy Butler by Thursday. I mean, it's worth noting they, you know, they have so many picks. Someone tweeted the list last night in just the next three drafts. I think they have eight first-round picks. They're not going to have the roster space for all these guys, especially as James mentioned. They have Zizic and Yabuselli, like, waiting mm. overseas, both of whom are good enough to come over if they had the spots right now. So, yeah, they've got a lot of guys who will be, their contracts expire in the next year or two. But at that point, if you, you know, if you still have Al Horford, why are you building around a bunch of young kids? Like, it seems hey, like... Hey, guess what? Guess what? Yabu's what? here, baby. Yabu's here. Yabu's, oh, right. He, he, was, he, was, he wasn't going to play Summer League, but he, I guess he had some kind of foot surgery, but he is going to be in the rotation next, next season, baby. Yeah, like he came over in the... He played for the D-League at the end of the year, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, like, it's... I feel like this is fascinating for Ainge more than the Sixers because, like, now this was already a really high-stakes next 12 months for him, and now it's like you almost have to choose a direction one way or the other. Like, you can't yeah, consolidation. Right, you can't keep towing the line between we're going to compete, but we also have all these picks and we're going to keep, you know, like, subtly rebuilding on the side. It's like it feels like he's gearing up and just being like, balls to the wall, all in, let's go. Because... So, so I have a question for both of you. Why can't you do that, though? Why can't you toe the line between the two? Why Why can you not? They just made the Eastern Conference Finals, and uh, Isaiah got hurt, so you know they won one game, and they still won one game against the Cavs, and they got all these picks in the pipeline, and you know you got contracts that'll be coming up, and like you know, say they they pick another, I don't know, let's say they do get, oh god, Tatum. I like Tatum, but whatever. So you get Tatum, and they let, they, but they let Crowder walk, mm. and now you got Jalen. Now you got Jalen Brown playing the Crowder role, and you got Tatum playing the Jalen Brown role from this season. What? What's like? Wh- why can't you do that? Because I they mean, might not be that good. Like they might <laughs> not be as good as Jay Crowder. So it's a gamble, and that by by investing that much time in it, you put effectively a cap on where your potential is going to lead you. Like I get again, it again, but right now. And see this, I'm operating as I'm operating under Golden State right now is head mm. and shoulders above everybody else, right? And even if we don't make a move for Jimmy Butler or whatever, even if we get Jimmy, we get one of Jimmy Butler or Gordon Hayward, you're you're a better team, definitely right. you're a better team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and now let's say you win sixty wins instead of fifty five or whatever. That's what's wrong with that? Why is that? Why is that considered like oh you can't you're wasting time? What time are you wasting? You're you're a great team in an era of of, of a historic team. What's wrong with that? Oh no! I look. Let me just clarify: if they get Gordon Hayward this season or Jimmy Butler, I'm not. Uh-huh. I'm not looking at it as them towing the line. I'm looking at them as going all in because if you get mm-hmm. one of those guys who are established all stars and all NBA type of guys, then obviously you're on your way upwards and you're trying to go for it. So if they get one of those guys, I'm looking. I'm not looking at it at all as them threading water and just like, oh, we're playing both sides of the fence. No, no, no. I'm looking at that as going all in. I think right. what Brian is saying in terms of all the future cap picks or, or draft picks, it is at some at some point you need to figure out what you're going to do because, yeah, you're running out of of, of, uh, of roster spots. You're running out of money to really you know keep all those guys long term. So at some point you need to consolidate all those picks. Like when Brian was talking, I actually had an idea. Like he could, Danny Ainge, just package all those picks and try to get like the top three guys – in the 2018 draft, because that would at least solidify, like, the youth movement going forward. Like, if mm. he consolidated all those picks and just got, like, Mo Bamba and 
Luka Doncic or Michael Porter or something like that, then yeah, because then you'd take like eight possible players and turn them into three that are just better. Like that, mm-hmm. what I I would be able to understand. So it's a okay. question of of balancing the correct way. But like, make no mistake, Jimmy, Gordon Hayward, Blake Griffin, whatever. That's that's not playing both sides. Right. That's where I am too. I, it seems like. Yeah, I think what they're doing now is playing both sides. But if they get either a star free agent, uh, sorry, a star free agent, or trade for a star, yeah, I consider that going all in because they are, in theory, going to be consolidating some of those draft picks into a known commodity. Exactly. And they still and they still will have a Jalen Brown. They still will have some of the other picks. You know, number three this year, Brooklyn in 2018, whatever Lakers Kings comes over. Like they're probably not going to have to give up all three of those for a Jimmy Butler uh, or a Paul George or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I, I would consider that that's still, if you're you are clearly trying to win now even more than they were before if you do okay. trade some of those picks away. Uh, James, I, I want to ask you this. We talked about Isaiah Thomas the last time you were on and kind of oh. the awkward, you know, if they draft Markel Fultz, then Isaiah Thomas is a free agent in 2018. Then there's the question of, well, is this Markel's team? Do you re-sign... Isaiah, et cetera, et cetera. On, a, on the bright side, they don't have to worry about that anymore because it sounds like they're not going to be drafting a guard if they do stay at three. On the other hand, now it seems more likely that they're going to pay Isaiah Thomas a Brinks truck worth of money. And last time you were on, you expressed a little bit of hesitation about that, you know, doing due to his obvious defensive concerns. How are you feeling now, you know, about where they stand heading into free agency in 2018, both with Isaiah and then also it's, Bradley and Smart. It's funny because I waffle between this like every five minutes. Like on one hand, I even wrote a piece on com about how they got their star, pay him his money, right? And it, it makes sense. I mean, as a Celtic, he's averaging, I think he's averaging like 26 and 6 in his time in Celtics. This team's getting better every year. He's efficient. He, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a dependable scorer. The only people you really can't, you know, say that. Oh, in the playoffs against better defenses, they're gonna lock him down. Okay, well, he still gets buckets no matter what. Um, so I say pay him. And then at the other end of the spectrum, I look at, uh, you know, the one win did come with Isaiah out, and Marcus Smart had to go bonkers, but still, a rotation of of Smart and and Terry Rozier, that you know that guy that people kind of make fun of, and and Avery Bradley. That's pretty damn good defensively, and while it's not the same offensively, I mean, you kind of can make it work. As, so it's it's tough, but um, I, I'm all – especially now that they moved the pick, and, you know, I, I was really kind of concerned about, man, you know, folks coming in, what what are they really going to do? Because they, they're all going to say the right thing, but I know it's kind of a tough thing when you're playing beside and you're kind of tr- – you're mentoring the guy who could probably possibly take your spot. This changes everything, and yeah, I, I'm fine, man. You, you pay him four or five years, you know. He, he's a, he's. I think even with more help, he can be more efficient. We saw, and let me under, let me say this right now. I'm not comparing him to Kevin Durant, but Kevin Durant, you got better teammates, and he became more efficient, and mm-hmm. just you know, you can find his spots a lot easier. Isaiah is a great scorer, and now you get him more help. A guy like Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Gordon Hayward and you take so much pressure off him and now he can do his thing with more space and he's a better player so I'm fine with that man I I, yeah. I, I just I, you pay for production the guy produces 
bring another star beside him and now you got you know now both of them help they they both feed off each other and make each other better you know we never seen gordon hayward with the primetime score his best has been what rodney hood you know and, and and look how good look how good gordon hayward is now you give him space with al horford and and isaiah and and look look the hell out so I, i'm yeah i'm you pay you pay him you pay him yeah there's always a chance i mean you know the 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 fear of course is a five-year full max deal but like there's always a chance Isaiah takes less than that. Like, he, he might really like Boston. He might be willing to settle for a few million a year less. Um, I mean, I, this is a conversation for another podcast entirely because it's uh, got to go deep into the free agency stuff. But, like, the, the money has exploded so exponentially in the last five years. Like, John Wall five years ago signed, what, like a five-year $80 million deal? And now yeah, Isaiah Thomas is going to be eligible for 205 million like there's there the concern uh, like how do we beat the warriors like it's never going to happen but like i wish some nba players were just like let me pretend i'm like three or four years ago and i'll sign like a five-year 120 million dollar deal instead of a five-year 200 million dollar deal and then we have the space to actually get three or four superstars to play with us so you know, again, not going to happen. Like Isaiah is not going to pass up eighty million dollars, but if he passes up thirty million, that puts you know it, it's less awful than a true five-year max deal. So, I, I mean, I think James, you're right. I, I, I think they don't make this trade unless they're willing to pony up for Isaiah Thomas, right? Like they're not they're not going to risk being without any point guard or like as Marcus Smart. They might be really high on him, but I don't think they're going to make this trade and say, <laughs> you know, Marcus Smart's going to be our starting point guard in 2018. I think they do it if they're confident that Isaiah will resign with them. And I'm guessing they've probably had negotiations already about, look, like we like you, but you know, <laughs> not $200 million worth. Um, so any final thoughts for either of you about Boston before we move on to Philly? Um, I don't know, man. I guess my final thought is I was really, I was kind of bummed when I first heard this, but I thought, you know what? I really like Josh Jackson. And now I'm hearing that it's not even Josh Jackson that Boston likes. It's it's Tatum. <laughs> and I really get bummed out, right? I think because Tatum, I think, is going to be fine. He's a prototypical, hey, he's, you squint, you look at, look at him, you see kind of mellow. Mm-hmm. Dude, we're in 2017. Pace and space offense moves the ball. What do we? What do you want to ISO scoring? You know, not super athletic, not super stretchy, small forward for who'd probably be better suited as a power forward. What? What are you doing with that? So that kind of bums me out because I think Tatum's gonna be good. He's gonna be fine, but it's it's a very it's a very vanilla kind of pick, and I, I don't you know I don't see his upside. So, um, I guess the last thing I'll say on Boston, I guess in Ainge we trust. I have to realize that in the last few years, everything Ainge has done everything pretty much right. Mm-hmm. And you know, turn them turn them from a lottery team with almost no hope, you know, and Rondo is their best player to what they are now. So, so there you go. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. We and it's, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, we can't judge. We especially can't judge this trade from Boston side yet because we just don't know what comes next. But I, it does feel like something big is coming. Whether it's a free agency thing, where they trade Jimmy Butler, you know, or trade for Jimmy Butler, like something. It does. It feels like this is just the first step of a multi-part process, as you will. Oh, they're they're getting Butler. That's yeah. that's my gut feeling. They're 
on Thursday, Jimmy Butler will be a Boston Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling you're right, and I'm excited to record Friday to see your reaction once the Bulls don't get enough for Jimmy Butler to make any Bulls fan happy. Well, so. you're looking for a reaction that won't come because I won't even be surprised. Like, look, <laughs> every, every Bulls fan right now are like... You know, they're just apathetic. It's just like, yeah, pretty much what we expected. Oh, oh, what, what, Gar? You just shipped Jimmy off for a second rounder that's protected? Yeah, okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> like, look, that's that's where Bulls fans are at. They're, there is no passion left whatsoever. Yeah. So, yep. I'll say this. You know what? I, 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 I'm just praying for the day Boston gets to the point where we're not having trade rumors and talks and worry about picks anymore, and we just can have a season or two where – I know who my damn team is, and we know moving forward, and we just let it roll. That's yeah. <laughs> Preach. I'm getting really sick of this. I'm getting sick of this every summer, every trade deadline stuff with Boston. I'll say that. Yeah, that's reasonable. Uh, I, I have a feeling yours is coming pretty soon. Uh, so let's let's move over to the Sixers side of things. Um, we already talked about the price they paid. I, I'm, I'm agree with both of you. I think it's a fair price, you know. It seems like most Sixers fans are pleasantly surprised because we, again, thought both the Kings and the Lakers picks were going, and then only sending one of them means we still, you know, even if the Sixers start to get good in the next year or two, they're still going to get one more crack at the mid to high lottery, either via the Lakers or the Kings, which is great. Um, there, there are still a few holdouts who just, no matter what Brian Colangelo do, does, he could probably trade you know, a second-round pick for LeBron James, and someone would still find a reason to criticize it. So there are still a few holdouts, uh, but it seems like Colangelo is now entering a honeymoon phase uh, 14 months later. Uh, oh, well, he needed it. He did, after the New Orleans trade especially. This was, yeah, yeah this was a much-needed uh, much move for him. Uh, Mort, I want to ask you, you know, you've, you've been telling me about Marco Fultz for months, and you've been, you know, I remember back in, like, December, you sent me YouTube clips, and you're like, check this kid out. Imagine him on the Sixers. So... <laughs> Now I am imagining him on the Sixers. Tell me why I should be excited for Marco Fultz next to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Because he's a terrific talent. Like his scoring game right now is NBA ready, as far as I'm concerned. The defense, not so much. But like I spoke about earlier, like the physical tools are there. He's he's like good character kid, so he'll get on it defensively speaking. But what I really like about this is that it'll create a little bit more symmetry for Philly. Like, look, you know where I stand on the whole Ben Simmons as a point guard thing. Right. right. No, yeah. I'm not really a huge fan of it. Now you actually have a guy who can plug into that position. Or if you still insist on playing Ben at the one, then you have Foles who can play the two. Like, he's not a he's not like a traditional point guard or a traditional shooting guard. Like, he's a guard. He mm-hmm. is a combo guard who can play both spots. So... Whatever they do with Ben Simmons, you can play Markel off of that decision, which is just great. Also, you are not going to put as much scoring pressure on Ben Simmons initially because you have Fultz there now. Mm-hmm. So everyone can sort of grow into their own pace, which is really a huge thing for a, for a young team. The thing is, Embiid is still like the, the, you know, <laughs> the king of the ocean right now. Right. He's going to be the guy for the next two or three years who's going to be the leading scorer, leading rebounder, leading shot blocker. He's going to be the star. So you feed off of that, and then come time, Fultz is going to nicely and slowly get into that same 
caliber as Embiid and it's going to be like a two-player team with Ben Simmons as that significant third guy. And then you have Dario Saric who can play like the Draymond role. He's really underrated as a passer, as a ball handler. So, you know, you have so many, you know, opportunities there, especially offensively. Like everyone can handle the ball. Everyone can shoot a little bit outside of Ben, but that can be taught. So I'm I'm really digging what Philly is doing right now. My advice to Philly, load up on veterans this summer off the mm-hmm. bench. Like I don't care if you give Vince Carter eight million for a year. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Don't give them long deals. One year, two years maybe, that's fine. Overpay the living shit out of them. Just <laughs> right. get old guys who are you know, getting close to wearing adult diapers out there on the bench. You know, just get them in there so they can how much do you want them to? How much do you want them to offer Andre Iguodala? Oh, so much, so much. Like, not how much a, would you be willing to pay Iggy? I wouldn't give him a four-year deal because of his age, but like, if if I could get Iggy for two years forty, I would do it just because I That's think awesome. that that would be amazing. Like getting Iggy back in Philly and having him like mentor all these kids. Hell yeah! Like, I would give him forty million over two years. Like, and I wouldn't even care. If that is significantly overpriced, like I wouldn't care. I don't think okay. there's a price that, like, even if they could offer Iggy a hundred million dollars for one year, I don't think Iggy would leave the Golden State Warriors. It right? Sounds like. No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. No. He he's. I mean, he, I'm not even considering him. Um, you know, it, it goes into the next question I'm going to ask, though. You know, yeah, they have. You know, if they, I think they have about. 40 to 50 million in cap space depending on whether they pick up the team option on Gerald Henderson. So they do have a lot of cap space to play with. Uh, This summer is the time to make that move because next summer, I mean, technically Embiid's already eligible for an extension, but even if he signs one, it wouldn't kick in until 2018. Robert Covington can be extended in November. Again, he's a free agent in 2018. You know, Simmons, Saric, uh, and now Fultz, don't have to worry about their contracts for three, four years. Um, so, like, yeah, now is the time to add a, a honestly more than one veteran, but like a couple veterans to complement your young cast. So, I, I want to throw out a couple names and then see how much you guys would offer them. So, James, I'll start with you. JJ Redick, how much would you offer him if you're the Sixers? You offer him. Somewhere between eighteen and twenty, two. Mm-hmm. Somewhere between you, 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 you could cash him out, and probably. How old is JJ now? Thirty-three. Two, thirty-three. He, but shooting is shooting, right? And I, I don't think he's gonna lose that. And that I'd offer him. I'd, I'd even probably offer him three years. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would do three years, sixty million, without question. Yeah. I, I mean, especially like. He's the guy. I mean, I don't think Contavious Caldwell Pope is actually gettable. Um, I, I feel like even if they offer him a four-year max, Detroit's going to match it because it sounds like that's the one guy Detroit actually likes on their team. Mm. Um, so it feels like JJ Redick is, you know, possibly the best realistic free agent fit who can provide the shooting that they'll that they do need next to, you know, Covington's good but streaky. Fultz, we've seen, you know, he's a good shooter, but we it's going to take him time to adjust to the NBA, potentially. Simmons, you know, not a three-point shooter at all. And Embiid's got it, but you don't want him parked out on the three-point line all the time. So you do definitely need to add some 
shooting there because we need an upgrade over Nick Stauskas. Um, Mort, here's a fun one. Dion Waiters. Ooh. Philly ties. So there there was talk even last year that the Sixers were interested in him and that he was interested in the Sixers, but they were worried uh, about bringing him back, you know, close to family and friends, that whole thing. I'm going to say do not want. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. No, look, and and it's not because I'm hating on Dion, because it seemed like he really regrouped and got his act together and all that, which is, you know, deserving of applause. But he's a shot taker. Mm. And and if he and he's not going to be a guy that you sign to to be like a future dude for you, like a permanent player on the roster who's going to get starting minutes and whatnot. Like he's a stopgap. Mm-hmm. So why would you take? Why would you sign a guy who's going to take like what fourteen shots every twenty minutes? <laughs> uh, when when all those shots needs to go to the youngsters so they can learn to to find their own way. Like that, I I just wouldn't do that. It seems like that's a situation where you would indirectly hinder the offensive evolution of all the guys that you have on the roster. Yeah, that's possible. It definitely is. Hmm. I would so now the only thing I would say is like you said about the 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 issues about him going home and maybe some kind of distraction in the locker room. That something I'd take into account. But I think as a player, I mean, we saw what he did with Miami. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. he's a, he's a really good. He, he, Dion's not like a selfish just gunner. I think he he wants to win. He wants to play hard, and he like he he takes a lot of pride in his in his game and being a good player. So. He, sure, he's a shot taker, but he's also. I mean, last season when I mean, he was good, he was a shot maker. And, yeah, he I mean, was. You need you need guys like that in in a, in a basketball team. I get it that you know he's not going to be the focal point, and he shouldn't be. But hey, twelve shots to Dion, you know, in a in a role backing up guys like Embiid and Ben Simmons and and Fultz, that's that's not bad at all. And he takes some of the pressure off them as far as you know he he has that big Philly attitude and. That that's infect it's infectious. So um, I guess my one thing would be if you don't have other strong vets on the team, and like like Pat Riley kind of kept him in in line, right? I guess mm-hmm. he had the best shape of his career last year. There's not if it, if you don't feel you have the strong infrastructure to mm-hmm. corral a guy like Dion, then yeah, I could see exactly why you would pass on him. And right now you're right, Philly doesn't have that strong infrastructure. So so we agree overall. It sounds like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, we we agree. I guess I, well, I I would say offer him like seventeen mil for three years. I like Dion. He's young and he's really good. I'd I'd offer him seventeen, eighteen mil. Yeah, we we're doing a uh, <laughs> at the step back. We're doing like this pitch a free agent thing every day with a different free agent every day. Uh, so I naturally took the Sixers, and I I kind of like Dion. I would do like a three year, probably in that same range, James. Like three years. 15 to 17 million but I'd make the third year a team option because I want I want to give him motivation I feel like if you lock him in for three years then you're starting to get into the dangerous territory where if he just goes into the tank that first year you're kind of stuck with him but yeah exactly it, so yeah you gotta you gotta feed his ego gotta give him shots gotta kind of prop him up and keep him optimistic and he does the, he does good things for you that way but yeah if you lose him then you you might you might get trouble right exactly yeah. i want dion on the hornets man come on ooh they need him that they can use him exactly yeah. um who else who else let's try james how about pj tucker oh that's a good one he he's a really good one how old is pj now 31 30, i think yeah somewhere around there you could probably get pj for 12 to 15 and especially if you want to lengthen his like 
no, two two years with a third, you know, not guaranteed, like you said, a third team option. Uh, probably even less than that, I guess, right? Because PJ, I don't know, I I can't gauge how much he's worth, but he'd be perfect. He he's tough, um, you know. He didn't just instill. He's a professional. You know, you don't hear too much, you know, bad things about PJ. Even though did he get a DUI a couple years ago? Could be. I think he did. Yeah, That's not you know I whatever. I, he did. I think he did in Phoenix, like either right when the season was ending or, or beginning. It, it it doesn't change anything. I think people. He's well respected. He's tough. Um, you know, he brings it every night. So, yeah, you definitely want a guy like him. I, I just don't think you'd spend any more. I'm going to be very specific. 13 and a half mil a year? No okay. more than that? Yeah, that seems reasonable. You give, I, I'd even say, yeah, you give him, I, even I'd say give him three years, 40 million. Yeah. It's not bad, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm not giving him three years, though. I'm giving him two. Okay. He's, he's 32. I just looked it up. He's 32, so I'm not going to. You know, go past the age thirty-five thing. I don't think, uh, but no. I mean, two years, about twenty-five mil. I could get behind that. At that point, I mean, if it's only a two-year deal, cap space is so inconsequential for the Sixers, really. So, like, yeah, I would. You know, I wouldn't just like two years, fifty million, because I want space to get other veterans as well. But like, I'm not. I'm not gonna sweat the price. I'm not going to sweat the price of most guys. It's more the years on the contract than the price. And I, I wanted to do this uh, thought experiment mostly because, A, Brian Colangelo last year showed that he's going after these types of deals. You know, he did Sergio Rodriguez, one year, $10 million. Gerald Henderson, two years, $18 million with a second year team option. Jared Bayless, I think, was three years, $27 million. So he knew he needed to add veterans, but, like, kind of fringe guys, like guys who are not on the radar as the top prospects or top free agents on the market. So while everyone's, you know, fighting for the Kyle Lowry's and the Chris Paul's and the Drew Holiday's and all those guys, he might go down a tier and say like, look, we, we, you know, we know that we're not competitive yet. Like you've not, you're not going to want, if you're a top tier free agent, you're probably not going to want to sign with us because we're not going to win right away. Like we're, you know, we won 28 games last year. We're not going to win 52 this year. We might jump into the, like, the high 30s, low 40s at an absolute best if everyone stays healthy. So let's add you know, those second-tier guys who can build around our young core and understand their roles. I think that's, frankly, the most important thing you're looking for in a free agent. And that, going back to Dion for a second, that is a concern with him. Like I think that's why he worked so well in Miami is because he knew his role and he fit into it. But if he tries to take over as the number one option, you get into trouble there. Mm. So I think a guy like J.J. Redick for that reason is perfect because he's used to playing next to three, you know, all-star caliber players. He knows, like, my job is not to create off the dribble and take 25 shots a game. My job is to play good defense, spot up on the corner, be ready to hit an open three when I get it. Um, Okay. I have a question for you. Yeah. Kyle Corver is a free agent. Mm, I was Ooh, off of Kyle Corver. Oh man, I would do it. Bring him back uh, to Philly. He, how much? He was back. He was back with us in the like early two thousands. Uh, oh man, how much? How much you offering him? I would do like the. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was about to say he, he, he's already like thirty two, isn't he? I thought he was older than no, that. He's he's more. He's thirty six. Like yeah, I thought he was like thirty five. What? Yeah, he's thirty six. 
Um, okay, you guys talk about how much you pay him. Let me look this up. I don't think he's 36 yet. No. He's from 81, March, I think. Oh, wow. Okay, you guys, how much you paying him? I was going to say my gut instinct was the taxpayer or the non-taxpayer mid-level, so that would be around $8 million, but that's probably too much. If it's for one year, I say screw it and give him $10 mil. Yeah. Wow. That guy did just turn 36. Holy crap, dude. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess on a one-year deal, I don't care. Like, whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How about how about um, so I, Joe Green? Oh, Joe Green. Yeah, that's a mm. good one. Actually, not as uh-huh. much as Corva, though. Yeah, I think. I but that's uh, No, simply because his jump shot is a little bit too streaky. Right. But then again, the athleticism is really appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's, we, that's difficult. We'll need, like, honestly, <laughs> James, just to warn you, Avery Bradley now seems like a guy the Sixers should go after hard in 2018. Because I, I guess what? I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, somebody's going to pay him. And yeah. I don't, if Boston's paying Isaiah, they're not going to pay him and Crowder, right? Because Crowder's coming right. up in 2019 or 20. Yeah, and then Marcus Smart, too. So, yeah. Marcus Smart's, I think Marcus Smart's eligible this next summer? Year. Yeah, for an extension this summer, but he's a restricted free agent yeah. next year. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're probably not keeping all three. And, you know, <laughs> Mort, I know you're out on Ben Simmons' point guard, uh, but they, you know, they've said offensively he's going to be point guard, but defensively he's going to guard power forward. So and that's need... why I have a problem with it, because that's not a point guard. You are what you defend. Oh, right. come on, guys. On. It's like, all right, he's like LeBron. Just yeah, exactly. Do the semantics. Yeah. So he's yeah. going to be the primary ball handler, which means your point guard just doesn't need to be, you know, you can have a, you can have shooters at point guard or, you know, take pressure off Fultz and, you know, he's your primary facilitator. And Fultz right. And second player. Which is why we should abolish positions. Right, because oh, it's ridiculous. God. I mean, come on! It's just this. We are entering an era where it's about positionless basketball, anyway. So you know, no just... more. They're still point guards and they're still shooting guards. Deal with it. <laughs> Deal with it more. I refuse. I refuse. Yeah. But look, we're, ta- we're, we're talking. Of, yeah, just for what there is a guy that I want to talk about. We talked about him previously. Why is it that Jimmy Butler is only being rumored to Boston? Like theoretically, he would fit. Pretty damn well in Philly, and it, what are you trading you know, for him? Philly has a lot of assets still. What are you trading for him? That's oh what I'm God. looking at. That's you what I'm t- take whatever pick about. we don't send to Boston, either the Lakers yeah. or the Kings pick. You could have our 2018 pick, and you can have a lightly used Jaleel Okafor. Yeah, well, it, you know, just remove Jaleel Okafor from <laughs> the equation and give me Rashawn Holmes, and then we can talk. Yeah, yeah, I would do that. Yeah, but I really, no, but I'm yeah. right, but. I'm just saying we're also focused on Jimmy going to Boston. Mm -hmm. Like, Philly still has a crap load of assets. And much like Boston, I mean, Philly has a lot of youngsters who's going to come up and looking for new deals, like, in a couple years from now. So eventually down the line, they're going to be capped out anyway. So Mm. why not consolidate and get, like, a big-time star in there for all those young assets? Because if Chicago is going to ship Jimmy away, it's going to be for youngsters anyway. Why not yeah, get I in on the that? Pro- the big problem with that is that you're you 
for Jimmy Butler from his perspective is like, why would I want to go to this team of fledgling, even though they're really good? Mm-hmm. This that's not my timeline. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Jimmy Butler's twenty seven, twenty eight. Twenty seven. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty seven. Twenty seven. So yeah, it, it it sounds good, but like Boston would definitely more attractive to him because there's you know there's oh more, definitely two more all stars there. But so like yeah, it's not out. Of, it's out of his control right now though. And then I think if Boston was packaging a deal, they could package a better deal than Philly could. Yeah, as far definitely. As, mm. Right. So yeah, it's 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 a nice thought experiment, but uh, I could see him even telling them, "Hey, don't trade me there. Don't don't <laughs> don't 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 do this to yourself." Right. It, how about Jane, how about uh, how about uh, C.J. Miles? Yeah. Now that's that's a guy I think is going to get a whole bunch of dough this summer, like under the radar. Yeah. Um, and he's like he's still young. He's played like twelve years in the league, and he's still like just thirty-one or something. Yeah, I think so. Or, or something. Like, yeah, and and mm-hmm. his shooting has really gotten better. I would give him like three years, sixteen million a year. That's not bad. So, I mean, yeah, about right, right? That's not bad at all. I mean, if Kent Bazemore, that's the problem. Last summer, <laughs> right. just set such a stupid baseline for like mediocre to average wings. Like if Kent Bazemore got four years seventy million and Evan Turner got four years seventy million, all these guys are gonna go into this market saying, look, the cap just went up an additional seven million. Like mm. I'm not settling for less than fifteen to twenty million dollars a year. Which on a related note, you know, I've seen a lot of the the hope with the Sixers is that you extend Robert Covington in November, and I've seen a lot of people like throwing around numbers that they think would be reasonable. Like I've seen like four years, sixty million. That dude's not no. sent. Yeah, he's not doing anything less than like four years, eighty million, and that is the absolute baseline. Like he is, he knows that that maybe this summer, if the bubble bursts and like all of these mediocre guys don't get the money they're expecting, then he goes back and is like, oh yeah, sure, four years, seventy, I'll do it. You know, give me. Evan Turner money, but like, if you can play basketball, if you can dribble and pass and occasionally hit a jump shot, then you're going to make at least, you know, close to $20 million a year. That's just the way the market is now. And Miles, I just looked it up, he just turned 30. Mm. Wow. That, yeah, that's, that's a, a fun one. one. Yeah. yeah, that's a good target, James. And here's, and here's another bonus. He has yet to crack fifteen thousand career minutes, so his legs aren't shot. Mm, exactly. That's a really he got beat up the last one. couple of years trying to play power forward. But uh, you know, last year trying to play power forward, he took some dings. But yeah, he's he's young. He's he's spry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Because High volume three point shooter. My next one was going to ask you this one, and this one I think would be great. But I don't. You know, he might be out of your price range. Jingles, baby, Joe Ingles. Oh, I like him. <laughs> Yeah, I think he's he's restricted though. So he, I think whatever happens with him will depend on. Oh, if, they're gonna match. Huh? Yeah, if Hayward and George Hill stay, I think they would match. But yeah, I mean he's but he's like weirdly old. Like he's twenty nine or thirty. He's twenty nine. Right? Yeah, yeah, he's almost. He's gonna be thirty by the start of the season. So he's yeah. <laughs> essentially as old as CJ Miles and has three seasons to his name. Right. So exactly. Yeah. So yeah. he's actually gently used though. That's yeah, good. that he That's is. True. Yeah. Yeah, and like Danilo Gallinari also probably out of the price range, but that would be an interesting fit. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that will be, you know, I I, I did this to just kind of hammer home the point that like the Sixers aren't done this summer. Like they're definitely going to go and add a couple of these guys. And now that you mentioned yeah. CJ Miles, I'm hoping it's him. Um, but I, I want to circle back more 
quickly to your point about the Sixers trade package. I do agree that, you know, I'm a, I'm with James in thinking Boston can offer more right now. I think if the Sixers would try to make a deal like that, it's going to be after the 2018 lottery, so they see exactly how this Lakers-Kings, you know, the conveyance happens. Right. Like, God forbid the Lakers win the lottery and they traded the number one pick. Uh, so I think they'll see, you know, <laughs> where that is, if they, what happens with that Lakers pick, or if they're sending the Kings pick, etc. But they do, you know, it is worth noting, they do still have a lot of assets they can dangle in the trade market eventually. Um, which brings me to our, my final question on the Sixers side. Uh, because everything comes back to our Lord and Savior, Sam Hinkie. James, do you think this trade justified the process? I think the process was justified even before this trade. My man. I think it was it was almost criminal that that how they treated Hinky by bringing in Colangelo. They kind of pushed him out the door. I think that was nonsense. I know. The, I feel like, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like the owners blinked. Mm-hmm. Right? They were all in on the process. Yep. They gave him what I think. I heard, I heard originally it was like, "Oh, we give you seven years to do this." Mm-hmm. And after three years, they blinked and they started getting you know the the optics of it really started bothering them. So they brought in. Uh, Colangelo and you know he felt kind of he felt disrespected and he felt like all right we're not gonna let me do this I'm gonna leave that's what it sounds like to me and so um, I love how Embiid has braced embraced him I love how the fans have still embraced Hinky I love seeing the flags with his face on him flying at at all Philly stuff because <laughs> they, they didn't really they, they didn't do they didn't do right by him I don't right. think they did right by him at all so um, yeah yeah 100 justified and somebody that we all follow and and we all trust and we all kind of you know talk to on NBA Twitter said. For Philly, if they're not a contender, the process has failed. And that's just one of the most asinine things I've ever heard. The whole goal was to make them a relevant franchise and a healthy franchise and a successful franchise. You don't have to be a contender in the finals every year to be successful. So the, the fact that they're bringing in young talent and they've revitalized the franchise, that's success. I don't care what they – I don't care if they ever make a finals. Well, you want to make finals. But just <laughs> let's, let's say they don't. Let's say they don't with this core. That's not a failure. You know, if if you've established a, a level of professionalism and and from here on out, like you know, you're you're operating at a high level and you you can bring in free agents and you can, you know, you, you're a successful franchise by by you know winning 50 games every year. That's a success for the next five, six, seven years. So I I don't I don't I don't like the fact that some people are so upset by the tanking thing. They're trying to hold Philly to a different set, different set of standards. Yeah, and I I wrote about this at Bball Breakdown a couple months ago. I, Every analysis of Sam Hankey needs to start with what he inherited because he came in a year after the Andrew Bynum deal. They had just traded Iguodala, Harkless, Vucevic, and a first-round pick for a guy who would never play a single minute for them. So what Hankey inherited was a toxic landmine of, you know, no real young assets outside of Drew Holiday. They already traded away two future draft picks for Arnett Moultrie and Andrew Bynum. Both of whom, Jesus Christ. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, <laughs> so like, I mean, I think James, you say it well. Like, even if they don't make the finals or they never win a title with this core, the fact they assembled this this much talent in four years, given what they had in 2013, the process was a huge success. Like that was yep. the whole point. The whole point was to amass young talent that can grow together. And yeah, like hopefully one of them develops into a superstar. Hopefully Joel Embiid doesn't break his foot again. Hopefully Ben Simmons doesn't break his foot again. Hopefully Markel Fultz turns out to be as good as, you know, most of the draft community thinks he's going to be. 
And those three guys, like, this could be the next version of the late 2000s Oklahoma City Thunder, where you've got, you know, three three of what the five six best prospects to come into the league over the last three years all growing together all on the same timeline you have enough cap space over the next couple of years where you can surround them with veterans you don't have to worry about their contracts kicking in yet uh hopefully the sixers owners don't cheap out like okc's did uh or hopefully the cap continues to grow and helps them deal with the luxury tax bills down the line um but i mean yeah I, I don't think this justified the process. I think, as you said, James, it was already justified. This is just further justification. And if you needed this to you, you needed this to happen to see that, then you're dumb because, like, the, yeah, they like they turned that <laughs> Lakers pick or they turned that Kings pick into something tangible. But like that was always the point. Like they always those assets were always going to turn into something, whether it was combining them for a trade for a guy like Markel Fultz or keep all the picks and like they did just turn into a bunch of young prospects that you continue adding to your core even as you're getting good uh more <laughs> do you do you, are you on my side with this or are you now even more pro process now that this trade happened i mean i just blame will smith <laughs> yes <laughs> he was clearly the owner that forced sam clearly out. Yeah. i mean it just hasn't hit the media yet, but mm-hmm. obviously, like the Fresh Prince is, like, <laughs> he ruined the process, right? He, yeah, he did it wrong. So, Will, you need to come on this pod and just defend yourself. <laughs> yeah, he's the source leaking to Woj all the yeah. stuff. He's the one yeah. who leaked the hanky memo for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I've already seen stuff today. Uh, I, I'm not going to name sites, but I, I've seen stuff re-legislating the Sam Hankey era and saying like, oh yeah, now the process is a success. It's like... Which, you know what, that brings a full, full circle. You asked before about the you know, the trade, the grade, the trade stuff. We talked about that. Right. It's impossible. Like, Mark Gasol for Powell sounded like a wash. Mm-hmm. And now Mark Gasol is one, like, you know, the, one of the best centers in the league and has been a, a, a franchise pillar in, in Memphis. It's. I hate the fact that we are in such a rush to grade trades when mm-hmm. you have no way of knowing. Probably for like at least five years down the road, so it's it's kind of annoying. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, man. Philly. I. I honest. The NBA fan of me wants to see, uh, Fulton Philly besides Boston because I love Jalen Brown, but he was used as a backup and you know very sparingly and brought along slowly. I don't want to see that for Fultz. I want to mm. see him go full throttle from day one. So I, as an NBA fan, even though it's a Boston fan, I, I'm kind of bummed. As an NBA fan, I'd rather see him in Philly than Boston. That is very altruistic of you. I appreciate that, James. That's good. Go to hell. <laughs> uh, Mort, any final thoughts about this trade from Philly's side or Boston's side? Well, I mean, look. It's I get it. I'm not going to sit there and crap on Boston because, like James said multiple times throughout the podcast, this is like a long-term window. We have no idea what it ends up being. So I think we all need to like arm ourselves with a little bit of cautiousness and, and patience and to see how this whole thing plays out. But I will say this. Regardless of how you look at it, Danny Ainge put himself into a risk position because mm-hmm. theoretically speaking – he could end up getting the number three this year, which is significantly worse than, than this, you know, false. Uh, and then he could risk having, uh, granted, it's not likely, but Sacramento could potentially be good in two years mm-hmm. to the point where they're a late lottery selection or whatever. 
And if he gets like, I don't know, 12 or 14, then that's going to be objectively a loss in terms of value. So there is a risk involved. And I think that's the thing that people are are hammering on Boston for. It's the risk that is involved. Like, hey, you know, they could get number two next year or number one in 2019. And then everyone will be, oh, okay, cool. Makes sense. Sure. So right now, let's stop grading. Let's just look at the big picture, wait a couple of years, then let's refocus and revisit and, and look at it again. Yeah, that's the most lukewarm take possible, but I think that's the right one. And I have a column going up a b-ball breakdown shortly, basically saying that. Uh, I, I just, I, again, I, like, I think for Philly's side, you can grade it a little more easily because at least like Markel Fultz is the known commodity. You know, right. you don't know what the, that, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with number three. You don't know what's going to happen with the other pick that they sent. Uh, so it could come back to haunt them. But if Markel Fultz is as good as we think he's going to be, it's probably worth the price, even if it winds up being somewhat of an over overpay. But for Boston, yeah, it's just like, let's, let's just chill, everyone. Let's see what happens next before we're like, gonna go pillage Danny Ainge for being, you know, kicking the kid down the road again. Because James, as you said, like he's nailed most aspects of this job for the last couple of years. Like he's, he really has built the Celtics into a formidable foe, you know, feasibly for the next decade depending on what happens over the next 12 months. So now wh- while we're sitting here talking, I listen to you guys. I'm also looking and uh, I just got a, a vision of, of uh, Tatum as the small Ford version of James Young. And I want to cry. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that is the risk. It's no. like, yeah, it's not funny guys. It's not <laughs> fucking funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, that is the risk. Like they, it could backfire significantly. I feel like there's there's risk on both sides. There is less risk on Philly's side, unless Fultz just completely busts. But well, from, hang no, on, Philly's just Philly's just on. paying a lot, and that's fine. That's he's supposed to be worth it, and even if he's a bust, it's still worth it for what the he's what he's prognosticated to be. From the Boston side, if you get a guy like Tatum, or like I would be fine with uh with with Josh Jackson. Mm-hmm. Like I guess he hasn't even come for a workout yet, and it it seems like they're leaning away from that. I would love Josh Jackson because then you got him and, and uh, Jalen Brown, these two athletic, long, like, um, you know, hard-to-guard wings. But uh, Tatum's going to be, you know, it's like watching, like watching Melo two years ago, and I don't want that. Yeah. So here, here's my question to you, James. Will okay. everything be vindicated if they draft Malik Monk? <laughs> to me personally, yes. Yeah. Yes. If I, get, if, if I get to watch – Malik Monk, get buckets. I don't give a damn. Let Isaiah walk. Hand the keys to Malik and, and let's roll. Let's freaking roll. That dude is so – I've never seen an uh, easy scorer, dude. He's just out there like, oh, hey, basketball. Let me throw it in. It's beautiful. <laughs> that is a perfect way to wrap things up. So, James, thank you again for coming on today to talk about this trade. Remind our listeners one more time where they can find you on Twitter and their, where you can find their work. You can go on Twitter and just mute me now. Uh, that <laughs> name is, is Snotty Dripping, so just get that out of the way. And bballbreakdown.com. Make sure you guys go check it out every day. Uh, Coach Nick is putting up these great videos. We're doing draft stuff. Don't want to miss it, buddy. So everybody, uh, yeah, check us out at bballbreakdown.com. Yes, doing good stuff there. Lots of draft stuff coming out there over the coming days, as well as off-season free agency, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, until next time, we will be recording with Jason Pat on Tuesday, talking more draft stuff. But until then, 
Uh, give us a follow at the NBA Pod on Twitter. Check out our bio to find all three of our handles as well. Check us out on iTunes. We'd love it if you subscribed, downloaded, left some reviews. And we are also being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Tuporek and I was joined by Morton Jensen and James Hollis. Have a good one, guys. You too, Brian. You guys are the greatest. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clear. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.